Section seven of the Adventures of Odysseus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Adventures of Odysseus and the Tale of Troy by Parik Colum. Part one, Chapter ten. His ship and his fellow voyagers waited at Pylos, but for a while longer Telemachus bided in Sparta, for he would fain hear from Menelaus and from Helen the tale of Troy. Many days he stayed, and on the first day Menelaus told him of Achilles, the greatest of the heroes who had fought against Troy, and on another day the lady Helen told him of Hector, the noblest of all the men who defended King Priam's city. Achilles, said King Menelaus, was sprung of a race that was favoured by the immortals. Peleus, the father of Achilles, had for his friend Chiron, the wisest of the centaurs, of those immortals who were half men and half horse. Chiron it was who gave to Peleus his great spear. And when Peleus desired to wed an immortal, Zeus the greatest of the gods prevailed upon the nymph Thetis to marry him, although marriage with a mortal was against her will. To the wedding of Thetis and Peleus all the gods came. And for wedding gifts Zeus gave such armour as no mortal had ever worn before, armour wonderfully bright and wonderfully strong, and he also gave two immortal horses. Achilles was the child of Thetis and Peleus, of an immortal woman married to a mortal hero. He grew up most strong and fleet of foot. When he was grown to be a youth he was sent to Chiron, and his father's friend instructed him in all the ways of war. He became the greatest of spearmen, and on the mountain with the centaur he gained in strength and in fleetness of foot. Now after he returned to his father's hall, the war against Troy began to be prepared for. Agamemnon, the king, wanted Achilles to join the host. But Thetis, knowing that great disasters would befall those who went to that war, feared for Achilles. She resolved to hide him, so that no word from King Agamemnon might reach him. And how did the nymph Thetis hide her son? She sent him to King Lycomedes, and prayed the king to hide Achilles amongst his daughters. So the youth Achilles was dressed as a maiden, and stayed with the daughters of the king. The messengers of Agamemnon searched everywhere for him. Many of them came to the court of King Lycomedes, but not finding one like Achilles amongst the king's sons, they went away. Odysseus, by Agamemnon's order, came to seek Achilles. He knew that the youth was not amongst the king's sons. He saw the king's daughters in their father's orchard, but could not tell if Achilles was amongst them, for all were veiled and dressed alike. Then Odysseus went away, and returned as a peddler, carrying in his pack such things as maidens admire, veils and ornaments and brazen mirrors. But under the veils and ornaments and mirrors the wise Odysseus left a gleaming sword. When he came before the maidens in the king's orchard, he laid down his peddler's pack. The mirrors and veils and ornaments were taken up and examined eagerly. But one of the company took up the gleaming sword and looked at it with flashing eyes. Odysseus knew that this was Achilles, King Peleus's son. He gave the youth the summons of King Agamemnon, bidding him join the war that the kings and princes of Greece were about to wage against Troy. And Achilles was glad to get the summons and glad to go. He returned to Phythia to his father's citadel. There did he make ready to go to Aulis where the ships were being gathered. 
he took with him his father's famous warriors, the Myrmidons who were never beaten in battle. And his father bestowed on him the armour and the horses that had been the gift of Zeus, the two immortal horses, Xanthos and Balios. But what rejoiced Achilles more than the gift of marvellous armour and immortal steeds was that of his dear comrade Patroclus was to be with him as his mate in war. Patroclus had come into Phythia and into the hall of Peleus when he was a young boy. In his own country he had killed another boy by mischance over a game of dice. His father, to save him from the penalty, fled with him to King Peleus. And Achilles' father gave them refuge, and took Patroclus into his house, and reared him up as his own son. Later he made him squire to Achilles. These two grew up together, and more than brothers they loved each other. Achilles bade good-bye to Phythia, and to his hero father and his immortal mother, and he and Patroclus with the Myrmidons went over the sea to Aulis, and joined the host of the kings and princes who had made a vow not to refrain from war until they had taken King Priam's famous city. CHAPTER Eleven. Achilles became the most renowned of all the heroes who strove against Troy in the years the fighting went on. Before the sight of him, clad in the flashing armour that was the gift of Zeus, and standing in the chariot drawn by the immortal horses, the Trojan ranks would break, and the Trojan men would flee back to the gate of their city. And many lesser cities and towns around Troy did the host with the help of Achilles take. Now because of two maidens taken captive from some of these cities, a quarrel between Achilles and Agamemnon grew up. One of the maidens was called Chryseis, and the other Briseis. Chryseis was given to Agamemnon, and Briseis to Achilles. The father of Chryseis was a priest of Apollo, and when the maiden his daughter was not given back to him, he went and prayed to the god to avenge him on the host. Apollo listened to his prayer, and straightway the god left his mountain peak with his bow of silver in his hands. He stood behind the ships, and shot his arrows into the host. Terrible was the clanging of his silver bow. He smote the beasts of the camp first, the dogs and the mules and the horses, and then he smote the men, and those whom his arrows smote were stricken by the plague. The warriors began to die, and every day more perished by the plague than were killed by the spears and swords and arrows of the Trojans. Now a council was summoned, and the chiefs debated what was to be done to save the host. At the council there was a soothsayer named Calchas. He stood up and declared that he knew the cause of the plague, and he knew too how the remainder of the host might be saved from it. It was because of the anger of Apollo, Calchas said, and that anger could only be averted by Agamemnon sending back to his father, the priest of Apollo, the maiden Chryseis. Then was Agamemnon wroth exceedingly. Thou seer of evil things, said he to Calchas, never didst thou see aught of good for me or mine. The maiden given to me, Chryseis, I greatly prize. Yet rather than my folk should perish, I shall let her be taken from me. But this let you of all the council know. Some other prize must be given to me than the whole host may know that Agamemnon is not slighted. Then said Achilles, Agamemnon, of all kings you are the most covetous. The best of us toil and battle that you may come and take what part of the spoil may please you. Be covetous no more. Let this maiden go back to her father, and afterwards we will give you some other prize. Said Agamemnon, 
the council here must bind itself to give me recompense. Still you speak of recompense, Agamemnon, answered Achilles. No one gains more than you gain. I had no quarrel with the men of Troy, and yet I have come here, and my hands spare the brunt of the war. You who are captains must give me a recompense, said Agamemnon, or else I shall go to the tent of Achilles and take away the maiden given to him, Briseis of the fair cheeks. I am wearied of making war for you, answered Achilles, though I am always in the strife, but little of the spoil comes to my tent. Now will I depart to my own land, to Phythia, for I am not minded to stay here and be dishonoured by you, O king. Go, said Achilles, if your soul be set upon fleeing, go. But do not think that there are not captains and heroes here who can make war without you. Go and lord it amongst your myrmidons. Never shall we seek your aid. And that all may know that I am greater than you, Achilles, I shall go to your tent, and take away the maiden Briseis. When he heard Agamemnon's speech, the heart within Achilles' breast was divided, and he knew not whether he should remain still and silent in his anger, or thrusting the council aside, go up to Agamemnon and slay him with the sword. His hand was upon the sword-hilt, when an immortal appeared to him, the goddess Athena. No one in the company but Achilles was aware of her presence. "'Draw not the sword upon Agamemnon,' she said, "'for equally dear to the gods are you both.' Then Achilles drew back and thrust his heavy sword into its sheath again. But although he held his hand, he did not refrain from angry and bitter words. He threw down on the ground the staff that had been put into his hands as a sign that he was to be listened to in the council. "'By this staff that no more shall bear leaf or blossom,' he said, "'I swear that longing for Achilles' aid shall come upon the host of Agamemnon, but that no Achilles shall come to their help. I swear that I shall let Hector triumph over you.' Then the council broke up, and Achilles with Patroclus, his dear comrade, went back to their tent. A ship was launched, and the maiden Chryseis was put aboard, and Odysseus was placed in command. The ship set out for Chrysae. There on the beach they found the priest of Apollo, and Odysseus placed his daughter in the old man's arms. They made sacrifice to Apollo, and thereafter the plague was averted from the host. But to Achilles' tent there came the messengers of the king, and they took Briseis of the fair cheeks and led her away. Achilles, in bitter anger, sat by the sea, hard in his resolve not to help Agamemnon's men no matter what defeat great Hector inflicted upon them. End of section 7